Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert here on a pre-Christmas COVID evening with Dr. Millicent Ravello. Dr. Ravello, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well, but I've been fighting keloids lately. Ugh, I hate keloids. Nobody likes keloids. I hate them. The, I, the, I'm not going to say that I've never gotten one after surgery because I have. Um, and keloids are things that are just... They kind of wreck plastic surgery, don't they? They are the worst. So keloids, for those of you who are fortunate to never have to deal with one, keloids are basically an overgrowth of your scar. And this scar can be from trauma. So maybe you fell and you hit yourself. Or it can be a surgical scar. You had surgery. You had an incision. It was closed well. It looked perfect for a few months. And then it started to develop this keloid scar. So a thick, gross ugly scar yeah i mean that's the thing is that these scars are just um they they become their own entity they they overgrow the scar tissue heaps up it overgrows the borders of the scar of the incision and they become these rope-like thick you know bogus tissue things things awful they really are things and this is the typical board question that any first-year plastic surgery resident gets. It's the difference between a keloid scar and a hypertrophic scar. A hypertrophic scar is similar in the sense that it is a thick scar, but the difference is that it stays within the bounds of the original incision or scar. A keloid scar starts in that original incision, but then it overgrows the bounds of that incision. So it becomes even bigger, heaped up, and it just, it, it's a thing. It is. It's like its own it's, growing it's thing. It's an entity. Some of them have their own zip codes. Like they <laughs> can get gnarly. Yeah, I took care of a patient actually that would get a keloid with pressure. Like, so when she had, when she was pregnant, her abdomen turned into a oh, keloid. Oh, gosh. When she, if you just like touch her, her skin would turn into a keloid. And, um, you know, people always think about it like it's a, like, well, you have to have dark skin to have it, like black people get them the most. Or, you know, I've seen keloids in all races, creeds, colors, yes. and, and peoples. Yeah. Um, it, do, it knows no limits. And, it's true. Uh, in fact, I can think of a, of a nurse that I did a perfectly uneventful breast augmentation when I was a resident back in Pittsburgh. And, you know, when we had done liposuction on her calves before, so we got rid of her cankles. And uh, uh, that, that's a podcast we need to talk about. Here it is. Yeah. Cankles. Cankles are awful. We'll get to that. Um, but the, um, her lipo scars healed fine. So then she came back and got a breast augmentation and her incisions turned into these Worms, these mm. rope-like, nasty keloids, like, and her breast dog was completely uneventful. You see, so you just don't know. You just don't know. And classically, yes, it's in darker-skinned individuals, and they are at a higher likelihood, a higher percentage of getting it. But that's not to say that it can't happen in fair-skinned individuals. It does just to a lesser degree. Well, in Asians, I find that Southeast Asian pa- patients. Are the worst. Yeah. No, I would agree with that 100%. Southern Chinese, Vietnamese, uh, Cambodians, uh, Thai people, these populations get like crazy keloids. Crazy keloids. And there's differences in distribution on the body as well. So there are certain parts of the body which are definitely more prone to them. Fortunately, the face is usually spared from keloids, although they can happen. I've seen them. 
but usually they're not to the big, big, big no. degree that they might be elsewhere on the body. The place on the body that has the highest propensity to it is anywhere in the midline of the chest. So along the sternum, that is a rough spot for whatever reason. Just if you get an incision there and you're prone to keloids, there's a high chance that you're going to have a keloid there. So there are certain people that are more prone to them. There are areas of the body that are more prone to them. Certainly any wound that was from a trauma is going to be a little bit more prone to it as opposed to a surgical wound, which was probably closed really well. Um, and any wound that is closed under tension. We close a lot of wounds under tension intentionally. Tummy tucks, uh, sometimes breast lifts, breast reductions. We are removing a lot of skin. We want things to look nice and tight when we close. The trade-off is that sometimes a tighter closure, even if necessary for a good result, may put you at a higher risk of a keloid. Absolutely. And the thing that... Uh you know, every, if you read every consent form for every plastic surgery operation, it says keloids are possible. Yeah. The one place that I have not seen keloids are the columellar incision on my rhinoplasties mm-hmm. and the ailer base incisions. Well, thank God, because that would be an awful place to have a this keloid. Is a, but it's a very privileged area. For yeah. some reason, keloids don't happen there. I don't know why. No, I haven't no, seen no. them on eyelids. I've never seen a keloid on an upper eyelid. You know, I haven't either. And I have a patient who really wants a blepharoplasty, but she's so worried about keloids. And I've told her that. I'm like, I've never seen one on an eyelid. And she told me that she once saw a patient that had a blepharoplasty and had a keloid. So who knows? And maybe she's just thinking of a dark scar as opposed to a keloid. But I personally have never seen me a either. keloid on the eyelid. So how do you treat them? What's your, what's your go-to on keloids? Um, put my head under a pillow and cry. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, if, if it's a keloid I created, then I, I go then yes, to the mat. Y- yeah, yes, yes. I cut it out. I, I re-suture it. I inject steroids. I throw everything I got at it to, because yes. you got it. You got to knock down that response. Right. And so, like you said, if this is a patient that I've been seeing, I did the surgery, I did something for them. I typically follow all my patients more or less for at least a year postoperatively, specifically because I'm watching their scars and I want to make sure that if there's any look or weirdness to them that I start treating it aggressively. So the minute that I start seeing a scar get heaped up or thick, I start with a steroid injection. If it's looking particularly gnarly very early or I've already injected it and it's not getting better, then I do a steroid 5-FU combination. And I can do that. 5-FU is 5-fluorouracil for the yes. uh, those playing at home. And uh, it is a chemotherapy agent that is, is. very very effective at treating scars when injected directly into, into the, scar. the scar correctly. it doesn't give you a systemic response everyone always asks me like oh am i getting chemotherapy is it going to cure yeah. cancer if i have one i was like <laughs> no no, no it's, <laughs> it's like gonna, a very mild, mild scar. tiny dose and it's locally effective and usually you will see a if the scar is going to respond you will see a response typically within two to three weeks and what you're going to see is a flattening of the scar if it's wide it's or discolored, you probably won't see a change in that. But in terms of the height, you'll see a flattening of it. And then if there's still something that's there that needs to be addressed, I say come back in six to eight weeks and we, we will re-inject you. And I will keep re-injecting um, as long as there continues to be improvement. But sometimes it plateaus or it, it doesn't does. get better. And then you have to talk about revising it surgically. Yeah, I mean, when people come to me for for treatment of uh, keloids, which I've had a few recently that, you know, the surgery was done somewhere else. They always say, oh, is it something that the surgeon did or something? They're no. like, no, it's like Never. your body. And, and yeah. they can, you know, they, they come from goods. Like I, 
I've gotten keloids, you've gotten keloids with scar. I mean, they suck. They suck. Suck. They They suck. suck. (laughs) And if you have a keloid, you know it sucks. We are here to help. But the uh, like a lot of times you see them with ear piercings. That's a big one too. The ears, the ears, <sighs> the ears are really really rough. Yeah, um, they, they get keloids kind of. They all get the time. keloids bad. Um, in fact, that's the one I have coming up that I want to put my head under a pillow and cry about because he came to me after another surgeon had already excised and re-excised it several times. It kept coming back, so he came to me and I was like, oh. I want to fix you. <laughs> so I took him back and I excised it and I did my cute little plastic surgery closure. I sent him to radiation, which is like the next step. It's the big yep, gun on these radiated wounds to really calm down that response, that wound healing response. Guess what? Keloid is back big and ugly as it ever was. Gosh darn it. <laughs> they suck. They suck. They suck. Fuck. Yeah, I mean, radiation is a treatment. That's what I did for that gal who got the pressure. I, I, I actually became you know buddies with the radiation oncologist who was treating her because he's just like, I've never seen anything like this. It is yeah. so nuts. Yeah. And whatever we did, it didn't work anyway. It didn't work. Nope. Um, but I think certainly you know, excising them once they get to that stage or if they're not responsive is definitely the next step. And people always ask, well, what's going to keep it from coming back after you excise it? And what I typically say, uh, my last story exempt, is that when you excise a scar and reclose it, you're typically closing it under A, better conditions if it was a traumatic scar, Correct. and B, probably under less tension, especially like I have some tummy tuck scars that have had a keloid. You're closing it under less tension the second time around. Things have relaxed and stretched out a little bit. So um, there's a higher chance that they're going to heal better the second time around. Yeah, and, and that is generally true, um, You know, especially if you're injecting steroid at the time that you're doing it. I mean, I just... I. I think these are an enigma and not everything's known about them. The, you know, the collagen, you know, types that are in keloids right. are sort of a, a thing of study and maybe there's, you know, gene therapy to do or something Gosh, like that'd that. that'd be great. You could yeah. somehow do I mean, that. But it, it is, it's a, it's a very tough situation. Surgeons are not into it. They, uh, they are, they're really baffled by how to prevent the next round of keloids. And so, you know, we don't have the answers on this one. We do all the things that we know how to do and we try to do. Um, Sometimes people just have to live with them. And it's like, you know, because you cut them out and then it's like, oh my God, they're so great. You did such a great job. And then two years later, it's like, um, hello, they're back. They're back, And then you do another thing and then, well, this time we'll radiate it and we'll do this and then you do it and boom, it's back again. And then at some point you go like, you know, this is it. Like this is what you got. You gotta like own yeah. these babies because they're just not going away. Right. And I have. I remember this one woman I had. Um, well, typically what they'll come in with. I mean, they you can obviously see that the scar is getting big, but typically when it's happened after a surgery and it's acute and it's you know a new onset of a keloid, the patients actually call and say my scar hurts and I can't stop itching it. Yes. So they will have been recovering nicely, their pain's controlled, their scar's looking great, and then it's literally out of the blue. They wake up one day and they're like, this thing is driving me insane. I can't stop itching it. It hurts. And you come in, oh my gosh, I had this lady, I had done a floridally abdominoplasty on her. So she had a midline scar all the way down, top to bottom, a horizontal scar all the way across. And she looked so good, like so good. She came in at exactly the six-week mark, and I was like, oh, we're going to get some pictures. This is going to be awesome. (laughs) And she had the ugliest keloid, top to bottom, across. (gasps) 
and she was miserable. It hurt. It itched. Yeah, they hurt. Yeah, I'm still battling with that one. <laughs> that's it's rough. They suck. These are, I mean, they're just brutal. So that's why, you know. So how do you prevent them? Well, we don't know how to prevent them per se because they're just, you know, obviously great surgical technique, but you still get them anyway. If yeah, and they are. Luckily, they're very rare. You know, for the, yeah. for the majority of the people listening to this who are contemplating plastic surgery like they're just rare. rare they don't and happen most, in facelifts really i mean no. you know once in a while you get something yeah. where it's a little bit ugly but it's not the you know the the facelift scars are sort of spared the the nose scars are spared i've never seen one on the scalp but um once you get down to breast and abdomen yeah and most patients know you know they they'll tell you um every once in a while it comes out of the blue but most of the time they'll be like yeah my scars tend to heal ugly or if i hit myself i get you know an ugly scar so they usually know um but yes there's no predicting we we do i mean we treat them the same as we treat all of our post-surgical patients every patient that i see once their wound is healed i start saying do the silicone yeah, do the scar therapy or, and or you know the- i all yeah, my patients whatever. do that. For the most part, they all do that anyways, and yet some still get it. Yeah. What's your um, feeling? Do you think that keloid formers have more capsular contracture of their breast implants? Is that oh, a connection you've ever made? I have not theorized that. I haven't seen that. I see I a lot either. of capsular contracture, and most of the time their scars look pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, because usually they're like you know 10, out, 10 years out or something. But if they've made keloids, do you think they would get capsules and I, I think internal healing is different than the skin i think it's different and i think the reason people get capsular contracture is different than the skin healing response so do i i think keloids are a skin thing capsular contracture is a soft tissue right muscular thing all right well i think we kind of nailed it on the uh on the keloids um moral of the story don't get them please uh, can you not <laughs> not if you do <laughs> call us and we'll be super aggressive uh but for now this is the beverly hills plastic surgery podcast coming to you for the 90210. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is Medi Spa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive, Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-640-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty and if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform, it's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast, you will get the member's pricing for your hydrofacial. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery, but there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. 
Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com, and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800, and that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.